welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. All right. What a great day. So glad that I get the chance to talk with you all today. We're continuing our series Uh, that we've been in for the last few weeks called Holding Nothing Back. It's been an amazing series so far. Uh, I hope that you've been challenged uh, in this series. We've been taking a look at different aspects of our spiritual life and uh, really looking at how can we challenge ourselves to go to another level? How can we push past the the things that hold us back, the things that kind of cause us to to have reservations about our faith? And, And so we're taking some inventory, asking some good questions, some hard questions, and uh, pushing through. In week one, Pastor Rob talked to us about the importance of surrender. Surrender. Making sure that there's not any area of our life that we're, that we're holding back, that we're living a life completely surrendered to God in every area, yielded to his will in every way. Last week, uh, as we celebrated our 25th anniversary, we talked a little bit about Gratitude, the importance of not only being thankful but giving thanks, about expressing our gratitude to God and to one another. And it was a great time uh, giving thanks to God for how He's, for really how He's led and blessed our church and our lives. And so I hope again these last couple of weeks that you've been jumping into our Hold Nothing Back life groups. If you have not been a part of one of our life groups, you're missing out on a big part of this series because each week in our life groups, we've been diving in deeper to the topics that we're talking about on the weekend and really looking at how we can apply these principles in our lives. And so if you haven't done that, it's not too late. You can still do that. There are groups online at rivervalley.org under our groups page. So make sure you do that. This week, we're going to talk about another very important aspect of our walk with Christ. As Christians, as followers of Jesus, there are some things that are essential to our walk with him, and this is something that Jesus taught and modeled for us in the scriptures in some profound ways. Today, we're talking about holding nothing back in our prayer life. Now, let me ask you how many of you have ever heard a sermon on prayer before? Yeah, if you've been in church, you've probably heard a sermon on prayer, right? I almost titled this message, Yes, Another Sermon on Prayer. I've probably heard hundreds of sermons on prayer. I've, uh, we, we've preached entire series on prayer as a church. We've led Bible studies on prayer. We've had prayer groups. We've been part of prayer movements and all this stuff. Yet after all of the talking and all of the teaching that we've had on prayer, if I had to rate my prayer life on a scale of 1 to 10, in fact, just to, let me just think about this for a moment because this isn't just something for pastors or some people that you might think are like super Christians, right? This is something... That's important for all of us. So all of us, take a moment. If you had to rate your prayer life on a scale from 1 to 10, 1 being I never pray, to 10 being I'm always praying, where would that number fall? Maybe it's an 8. Maybe maybe a 5 or 6. Maybe it's a 1 or a 2. I don't know if anybody in here would actually say, oh, my prayer life is a 10, right? Anybody? No, probably not if we're honest. I think it's safe to say that all of us can grow and have a stronger prayer life, right? We all can. 
And that I think all of us here would probably say, if we're honest, that there's things that hold us back from from praying more, from having a more dynamic prayer life. And that's what I want to talk about today. Let me start just by sharing just a couple quick stories. A couple months ago, uh, Jamie and I were on our way to a friend's house uh, for a little get-together when she looked down and she realized that, that the diamond had fallen out of her wedding ring. All the women in the room just went, oh. All the guys were like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, she was like, I can't believe it. And we're like, oh, no. And we, we didn't have any idea where it was. We didn't have, we just, we had no clue. She didn't have any idea when it might, when it would have fallen out. And I'm, I'm trying to encourage her. I'm like, you know, we can, hey, we can get another one. Or, you know, we're still married. That's what counts, right? You know, it's, it's okay. Uh, so we get to our, our gathering and Jamie's sharing with, with one of the, the ladies that's there and and as they're talking, they stop and they pray. And they pray that she would find the diamond. And uh, Jamie just had this, as they were praying, she just had this, this feeling like she was going to find it. I don't know, call it faith, call it a, a prompting of the Holy Spirit. She just had this inclination that she was going to find it. And so we got home later that evening, and, and as Jamie walked into the house, she walked into the kitchen, and she had this thought. She goes, you know, I reach my hand in my purse a lot. I wonder if maybe it just fell out of my purse. And so she goes to her purse and she starts pulling a couple things out. And sure enough, the first pocket she looks in, she looks and there's the diamond from her wedding ring. And we were like, wow, what an amazing answer to prayer, right? I mean, isn't that cool? You're not near as excited as this as she was. <laughs> like we were like, yes, this is amazing. Ah. Oh. Just a few months earlier, I had found myself on my knees praying for something else that didn't turn out the way that I was hoping it would. Many of you joined us over the last year or two praying for my mom as she was going through her battle with cancer. And we prayed and prayed that God would touch her and heal her. And we, we would love to have had more time this side of eternity with my mom, but that's not the way that it turned out, and in July, she slipped into eternity, and we had to say goodbye. How many of you know that sometimes the things we pray for don't always work out the way we want them to, right? If you've been a Christian for any length of time, we, we, we should know that prayer is an essential, important part of our spiritual growth. If you aren't a Christian yet, let me just say this. Today could be your day. And at the end of this service, we're going to give you an opportunity to receive the forgiveness that God offers that we've been talking about in this service already. But if you are a follower of Christ, hopefully you've learned that along with some things like reading the Bible, with meditating on God's promises, gathering together as a church family like we are today, worshiping God, all of those things are important, but prayer is something that is essential to our growth as followers of Jesus. And Jesus not only modeled a prayer life uh, in the Gospels when we read through it, but the Bible is also filled with his teaching on the hows and the whats and the why and when and, and where of, of prayer. Jesus taught us many things about prayer. And I just want to look at one of the passages that Jesus taught. When he sat down to teach multitudes in the book of Matthew this is actually part of what is called the Sermon on the Mount in the book of Matthew. It's the longest recorded teaching of Christ. 
If you have a Bible that has red letters, the words of Jesus in red letters, it's the longest stretch of red letters in the entire Bible. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching some of his, the, the most profound things that he ever taught. You've heard Jesus talk about loving your enemies? This is in the Sermon on the Mount. Laying up treasures in heaven? The Sermon on the Mount. The teaching of the wide and the narrow gate? was in the Sermon on the Mount. How many of you know the, the, the teaching of the wise and the foolish builders? The wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand. That's a part of the, the Sermon on the Mount. But tucked right into the middle of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said these words about prayer. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 through 11, he says this. He says, ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Man, there's so much in those, just those few verses that we can that we can pull out. I want to focus on just a few things today and, and really try to give us a model for our own prayer life. And it's a really simple model from this scripture. It's asking, seeking, and knocking. We can remember that, right? Asking, seeking, and knocking. When we pray, we can ask our Father in heaven for what we need. Don't, we don't ever have to be afraid of asking God for what we need. Did you know that you are never a bother to God? You never have to worry about imposing on God. You never have to worry or feel bad that you're imposing on God. We can ask our Father for what we need. In fact, James chapter 4 verse 2 says that sometimes you do not have because you do not ask. Think about that. There's things that God wants to give us that we don't have because we've never asked him for it. If there's something that you need, your first thought shouldn't be, how can I figure out how to get this? Our first thought should be, let's ask God for this. And then you can work on figuring it out. But instead, sometimes we find ourselves worrying about things and, and trying to figure things out. And, and yet we, we haven't even asked our loving Heavenly Father for it. Husbands and wives, if you're a husband or a wife in here, have you ever gotten mad at your spouse for not doing something that you wanted them to do, even though you never asked them to do it? <laughs> Come on, be honest. I know we, we all think, right, like if they really knew me and loved me, uh, they w I wouldn't have to tell them. They would just know what I want, right? <laughs> Sorry, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. If you want something from your spouse, we need to do them the courtesy of asking for it, right? And according to James, there are some things that we need from God that he is just waiting for us to ask for. So what are we waiting for? Why do we wait? 
Ask him for what you need. I, you know, I think it's even okay to ask God sometimes for things that you want. As long as you're asking with an open mind and an open heart, recognizing that God is the one that knows if something is good for us or if something is going to harm us. It's okay to ask God. Ask, and it will be given. The second thing it says is seek, and you will find. Seek. What does it mean to seek? It means to to attempt to find something, to search for something, to, to look for something. Seek. To the one who seeks, you will find. When we pray, it shouldn't just be an exercise in in just asking God, seeking him for what we want. It really needs to be seeking God simply for who he is. Matthew 6.33 says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Seek God for who he is first. And then ask him for what you need. It's important that we seek God. We seek him in prayer. We we open our hearts and our minds to receive a revelation of who he is. It's one of the ways that we really gain a revelation of how much God loves us. Is when we open our hearts and we seek him and we ask him to reveal it to us. Worship can be a part of seeking God. Expressing to God in, in, in whatever limited way we can. In whatever limited words that we have. Expressing how great and how good God is. And I love that Jesus said, when we seek him, we will find him. And I have this picture. Have you ever played hide and seek with a little kid? You know, hide and seek with a little kid. You go and, and, and you close your eyes and you start counting to 10. And you're like, I'm going to count to 10. You go hide. And, you know, one, two, three. And they go running into the other room. And they kind of like half duck down be, behind the bed or something. And, and you get to 10. And it's ready or not. Here I come. And, and you're walking through the house. And you're going, okay, I'm, I'm, I wonder where they could be. I wonder where they could be. And you walk into the room. And you hear this little giggle from behind the bed, you know. And it's like they're, 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 you know they're there, and you're like, I wonder where they could be. And then they jump up and say, you found me, <laughs> before you even get to them. I, I think that's what God's like. I don't think God is hiding so that we can never find him. I think God is like the little kid who just wants to be found. And thinks it's the greatest thing ever when they get found. And they laugh, and you hug, and it's just amazing. I think that's what our father is like he's so worth finding so so we can ask for what we need we we need to seek him for who he is but then this also says that we should knock and i was thinking about that this week you know knock so how many of you when you go home to your house knock on the door before you go in no right we don't knock on the door of our own house right but if you're going over to someone else's house you knock on the door before You go in. We don't just barge right in. I think we knock for the benefit of someone else, right? And I think in prayer, you and I should be knocking on the door of heaven for others. We should be knocking on the door for the benefit of somebody else. We need to be aware of the needs of those around us. We need to be bringing those needs before God. Author E.M. Bounds in his book, Power Through Prayer, says this, talking to men for God is a great thing, but talking to God for men is greater still. He will never talk well 
or with real success to men for God who has not learned well how to talk to God for men. You know, in my life, I've, I've noticed that it's, it's pretty easy for me to pray for the things that I think I need. It's pretty easy for me to pray for the things that I want. But if I'm going to if I'm going to pray for the needs of somebody else, I have to get intentional about that. I have to tr- work to try and stay connected to other people's needs. I, I have to stay aware. Listen, when we make a point of bringing the needs of others to our Heavenly Father, when we, when we take time to pray, when we take time to ask God on behalf of someone else, I think it has a way of reminding us that we have to live on mission for God. That we have a responsibility not just to God, but we have a a responsibility to think beyond ourselves and to think about the needs and the reality of those around us. There's another aspect of this that I want you to catch today. Asking, seeking, knocking, because... In this verse, the actual translation of those words, ask, seek, and knock, carry carry some some broader connotations. And it really comes out in the amplified version of the Bible. I want to read Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8 from the amplified Bible. See if you can catch what this is saying. It says this. It says, ask and keep on asking, and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking, and you will find Knock and keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who keeps on asking receives, and he who keeps on seeking finds, and to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. You see the difference? This is what Jesus was really saying. Jesus is saying, prayer is not just something we do once and then set it aside. I mean, prayer, prayer is not like a vending machine where you just pop in a token and push a button and out pops what you want. Something that probably has no nutritional value whatsoever, right? No, prayer is something that should be an ongoing part of our relationship with Jesus. Let me, let me illustrate it this way. Um, I have a flower pot here. Do you know flower pots are hard to find this time of the year? Um, this flower pot, if this is our, our prayer life, I want you to think about it this way. Um, we, we all want things to grow in our lives, right? We all want to see good things grow out of our lives. We all want to see something beautiful grow in our lives. And flower pot is a perfect example. We want a beautiful flower to grow out of this pot. But what's going to grow out of this pot right now? Nothing, right? Nothing is going to grow out of this pot, right? Because it's empty. And this is what our spiritual life is like when we don't pray. Nothing's going to happen. Okay, but so some, sometimes people will get in a crisis and they'll pray. I call these messy, dirty prayers. Sometimes people will only pray... When life gets hard... So now what's going to grow in here? We don't know, right? Because we're not really sure what's in there. I mean, something could grow out of this, right? I mean, 
there's some dirt. We prayed when we were in crisis. Lord, if you get me out of this, I'll, 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 you know, I'll never do it again. But we're not really sure what's going to grow out of, out of those kind of prayers. Okay, but if, if as a follower of Jesus, I take a seed and I say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask God for what I need. I'm going to pray. And we take that seed and we plant it in our life. Okay. Grow. Lord, I asked you. I'm waiting. I, I prayed. I asked for it. Lord, what, what, what's going to, uh, how come nothing's happening, Lord? How come, how come I don't see what I asked for coming to pass? Okay, there's a seed in there, right? We've prayed. That means something, something is probably going to grow out of this. Something that we planted, somebody, something intentional. We've, we planted a seed, okay? But what else does this need? Lord, you know what I asked for, and I'm really trusting you for it. And then the next day, okay, Lord, I'm not giving up. I believe, I, I haven't seen results yet, but wow, man, if I could magically make this grow right now, wouldn't that be incredible? But here's the deal. You keep watering the seed. You keep praying. You keep seeking. You keep on knocking. And what's going to happen with this pot? Something is going to grow. And that's what our prayer life is supposed to be like. Our prayer life is not supposed to be, well, I just threw a seed in. We'll see what happens. And then neglect it. We have to continually cultivate our prayer life. We have to continually come to God. We have to keep watering the seed that has been planted. We have to keep at it, making sure that that we're tending to that. And I promise you, when you do that, something's going to grow in your life. Something beautiful, something useful, something important, something that we need is going to grow in our lives. Does this make sense? We should all be striving to have a growing and consistent prayer life where we're planting seeds and where we're cultivating. And eventually, when we do, we're going to see real and beautiful and healthy spiritual results coming out of our lives. So if prayer is so important, and if it's so important to growing as a follower of Christ, why don't we pray? Why don't we pray more? What is holding us back from praying? I have five things that I want to give you in the last few minutes that we have. Five things that I think hold us back from praying more. The first one is this. I think sometimes we feel like we don't know how to pray. We just sometimes feel like we don't know how. We don't know how to pray. I've talked to so many people and they're just like, I just don't know how to pray. Well, let me just give you two quick thoughts. The first one is this. If you feel like you don't know how to pray, you're in good company. Because Jesus' own disciples came to him in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, and said, says this. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. I mean, think about it. You don't have to feel bad about feeling like you don't know how to pray, because Jesus' own disciples felt that way at one time. Teach us to pray. I encourage you, read Matthew chapter 6, another part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus lays out his most clear teaching on the prayer and, 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 and talks about when you pray, 
pray this way and, and, and recites the, lays out the Lord's Prayer, what's called the Lord's Prayer. Read that. Use that as a model, a template for your prayer. My second thought on that is this. Um, just like in, in everything, you will never learn how to pray until you do it. I mean, the greatest piano players in the world, you know where they started? They started sitting down at the piano and just kind of... The greatest athletes in the world all started in peewee league, okay? They all started in, in the minor leagues. The greatest chefs in the world all started by burning something to the bottom of a pan. Do you hear what I'm saying? The greatest prayer warriors of all time started out by saying, um, Lord, I, I don't really know how to say this, but, um, and off they go. Listen, don't let not knowing how to pray hold you back from learning how to pray. Everyone starts somewhere, right? So go for it. Don't hold back. The second reason I think sometimes we don't pray, the second thing that holds us back, is I think sometimes we don't really believe that it makes a difference. Sometimes we just don't believe it makes a difference. And I understand if a person feels like prayer doesn't really make a difference, it doesn't surprise me that they don't make prayer a priority. But listen, we have got to break free from this lie, and that's what it is. It's a lie from hell that prayer doesn't matter. Prayer matters. James 5 verse 16 says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other so that you may be healed. Listen to this. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Prayer makes a difference. Listen, our prayers not only make a difference sometimes, our prayers make all the difference in a situation. We've got to believe that prayer matters. Don't let the devil convince you or deceive you that prayer doesn't matter. And yes, there is an element of faith every time we come to God in prayer. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith it is impossible to please him. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Prayer matters. Another reason why we sometimes hold back is that I think sometimes we have sin in our lives. And when we pray, we feel guilty. I mean, we come to God and say, Lord, and the first thing that pops into our head is, oh, I'm such a sinner. And we feel guilty. And so we just say, you know, it's easier not to pray than it is to deal with my sin. Can I encourage you with this today? That guilt that you feel over the sin in your life, it's not actually guilt. It's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that's a good thing. And here's why. Because when you feel that conviction, it's God's kindness that wants to lead us to a place of repentance and a place of freedom in our lives. When you come to God and you feel that sense of, I'm, I'm, I'm unworthy, I'm just, I have so many things that are messed up in my life. It's the, it's the Holy Spirit saying, come on, repent. Let's go. You can get past that. You can make it. You can do it. Don't give up. You know, this world is a messy, messy place. And sometimes we're going to get polluted by the things of the world. But God wants to forgive. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sin, 
He is faithful and he is just and he will forgive us our sin and he will purify us from all unrighteousness. So good. Don't let sin hold you back from praying. The fourth thing that holds us back is this. I think sometimes we're too easily distracted by either something internal or something external. How many of you know we are a generation addicted to entertainment? (laughs) We are. I mean, think about it. We have more information and entertainment at our fingertips today than at any time in the history of the world. And that works against us quieting our spirits and stepping into a place of prayer. And how many of you know sometimes the noise inside our head is louder than the distractions outside, right? We worry, we get anxious about so many things. We're so busy trying to figure things out in our heads that, that sometimes it's, it's hard, it's difficult to shut off our thoughts in order to gain the mind of Christ. But Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 says this. It says, do not be anxious about anything. Anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Listen, the only way we get past worry and anxiety is by praying and thanksgiving. Prayer is productive. Worry is a waste of time. So don't be distracted by things inside or outside and let them hold you back. The last thing is this. I think sometimes we don't pray because we just don't think God wants to hear from us. I had a friend who told me once, he said, you know, I just, I just don't think I'm one of God's favorites. I don't think I'm one of God's favorites. I mean, I, th- I think God likes some people, but I'm just not one of his favorites. He was going through some really difficult times and He was just really struggling. Listen, can I tell you this? God doesn't have favorites. He doesn't have favorites. God loves each and every one of us. Each and every one of us are important to God. I'll tell you what God does have. God does have intimates. There are people that that I would say have a closer relationship to God maybe than others. But it's not because they're favorites. It's because they've invested time in relationship with him. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says this. And this is to each and every one of us. It says, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Let us, all of us, each one of us, no exceptions, approach the throne of grace with confidence. You don't ever have to come before God and think, well, he probably doesn't really care about me, but oh no, God cares. God cares about you. God loves you deeply, passionately, completely. And we can come to our Father And we can ask for what we need. We can seek him for who he is. We can knock on behalf of others. We can come to him 
at any time, holding nothing back. So my challenge for each one of us today is this. Let's hold nothing back in our prayer life. Let's approach God with confidence, knowing that our loving Heavenly Father loves it when we do.